My picks are gonna get fucking weird, man. What was what were what were my picks so far? Mank and the Holy Mountain. That's no, it, right? No, um, no, that can't be it. Uh, because the first two were just something we agreed on. That no, that can't be it. I'm going. I on think our, that's it. I'm looking I think those are the Spotify. Yeah. yeah, host and parasite were just things we did. Then midsummer we considered Alex's Macbeth, me, Holy Mountain, you, Funny Games, Alex, Tenant we just did, Twelve Monkeys, me, yeah, Fincher we just did, and then Mank. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, I guess this would be that was you, those are only two picks. Yeah, so I guess it's time for you to start getting weird. Yeah, there are many choices. There are many choices. I was like, ah, uh, I could, I could make them watch Space Jam too. But then I'd also have to watch it. But why? Like, there's nothing. I uh, know. I mean, why I didn't? I know, but like, even <laughs> like, there's no value in that. You know, there's no well, content value. We'd just be like, oh yeah, this movie sucks. Like, like I think knows. I think us hating a movie will be fun. I think um, so too. If the movie is like Ricky, yeah, or I, something, like I, or the dude. I I honestly thought we would have had a great discussion about the Tomorrow War because yeah it, yeah because that. it is it's such a product in every way that it, it could really outline like what we i wouldn't like. mind i would i i would do the tomorrow war i would do that as an episode just to highlight like these fucking cookie cutter you know all-in-one diy fucking action movies i also have a prediction about that movie is like chris pratt moved from the silver screen to the big screen and he's like in that moment of time where he's just making like fucking movies like nobody's business yeah he's gonna be like then, the rock yeah but i see i have this weird theory that he's gonna do like a mcconaughey and then in like 20 years from now maybe 15 years from now chris bratt is gonna be seen as like one of like those serious and like fucking i don't know mm. emotionally i vast actors in some way i definitely think he has the range because yeah. I, I mean, just judging on his performance as Andy in Parks and Rec, he had a lot so of good. range as that character. Like he was funny and then emotional and then serious. Like he had interesting. <clears throat> he had really great range, and so he has the ability. But I very much think mm-hmm. that he in for him. This is just my projection, obviously, but I very much think acting for him is a job, in which getting yeah. parts and getting paychecks pays the bills. Yeah, exactly. he doesn't seem like an artist. Yeah, I don't think he's very much like... I think he loves film and, you know, definitely is a fan of film. He likes he likes God and hunting and eating meat. Yeah, but, you know, like, he's definitely like this is... you know He's an actor. He's just like this is his job. And so he's going to take the roles that, like, make it so he can live in his house and pay for his cars and go out on hunting trips and, <laughs> you know... Pay tithes, salami. Pay tithes to his favorite church. <laughs> I might be, I might be making the church thing up. But I don't remember. No, I know. I, I definitely no, he, remember. He's yeah, very he's, religious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you'll see in the Tomorrow War if you ever watch it. He doesn't have a whole great range in that one, but it's not. He's not terrible either. He's solid seven. I don't know. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think he definitely, you know, like this. I don't think that. But I neither did McConaughey. Bit, yeah, I think he's a know? bit typecast at this point as well. He's played kind of well. He's he's reveling character. in it though. He's like, oh, let me be the the sort of like jokey, handsome guy that leads your action movie. That's fine. Yeah, but is yeah. is that what the Tomorrow War is? Because I thought the Tomorrow War was like a serious action movie, right? He's playing like a Jason Bourne type character. No, it's a Roland Emmerich movie, basically. Basically, <laughs> dude, they get they get to they get to like they're transported back to like er, I know the or plot. forward. I've read the into plot Miami, synopsis. yeah, but I'm explaining to you why this is dumb. Okay, and I'm like a moment that tells you what this movie is, and like he has this like wisecracking black guy as his sidekick at this point in the movie. And the black guy looks around and he's like, oh shit, I'm glad Will Smith ain't alive to see this. And I was like, oh. I want to punch you. I want to punch oh, you, movie. God. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Okay. I didn't. I, I honestly <laughs> didn't know what the... That's the, your tone. Yeah, I didn't That's know what the tone, tone was in the movie. I thought he was supposed to be like... I thought this was like their attempt to like market and ship him as like a new Jason Bourne or like the Rock type character. Like kind of like a... Maybe. Hero. I mean, it's he not. He could play Christian Slater's part in a remake of Hard Rain. He could. Like, he would be perfect for that role. <laughs> that wisecracking, like, leading man. Oh, man. Don't, like, even put the idea of a remake of Hard Rain into Nobody, oh, they would never it's be remade. There. Nobody saw it to begin with. There's just no way. Someone does it as, like, a fucking, like, a, like independent film because they just love it so much. They're like, I'm going to remake Hard Eight million of the ten million dollar budget spent on just water. Yeah, I don't even think that'd be enough. It's <laughs> be a tremendous waste of water in this climate as well. No, it would all just oh be God. CGI. All the water would yeah, just be CGI. CGI. That's one thing that's really hard to do if if your actors are going to be in it or like like water. If you have actors in the shot, generally, especially if they're like on the water or in the water, you got to use water. Yeah, yeah, but like, you know, you know. act like you're wet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, rain is hitting your face. It's just I'm like blinking. <laughs> until unless it is, unless until it gets cheaper to do the grandma Tarkin treatment to like everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you can just like CGI those scenes. Well, I mean, I mean, eventually, I think actors are going to become like theater kind of you know what i mean like live actors is going to become a thing more like theater like maybe like 100 years 50 years down the road we're like we're like eventually cgi and like computer animation is going to be as good if not like more enticing to certain receptors in your brain and that'll be like the new actors will be these like People That's will fucking fa- horrifying. People will fall in love with characters that don't, like, actors that, like, don't exist. And they'll have, like, whole personas. And they'll, like, have, like, merchandise and all this stuff. Like, that will be, like, people. And they will be personified as, like... Like K-pop. Real. Kind of like, yeah. Kind of like that. Where it's, like... But K- the K-pop people are... While they are very, like, packaged and... Or, like, Hatsune Miku. They're still real people. I'm, I'm loving... The, I'm not loving, but I'm I'm, like, playing around with this idea of, like... There won't be real actors. They'll just be these ideals, these personas. There will. There'll always be actors. Yeah, in like theater, like like live. I hope. I hope you're wrong, but you could easily be right. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be right, but who knows? I'm just well, like kind of a, a pessimist when it comes to the future. If we're still here, we'll find out. Anyone listening to this podcast that is two to three years old, let us know in fifty. 
to a hundred years. Yeah, send an email to our web zone. Yeah, <laughs> tell us. Send it to an AOL account, <laughs> or like uh, whatever. Maybe our consciousnesses will be uploaded somewhere, yeah, and we'll be to, still like, the be cloud. alternate <laughs> versions of us. We'll still be doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shit. All right. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's a good segue into the content that we're going to be talking about today. Oh, man. Seriously. Yeah, futurity yeah. <laughs> and weird videography-ness. Existential. Everyone's separation. a and video Existential drone. weirdness. Yeah, we're talking about Videodrome, real weirdos. We're back. 1983 movie from David Cronenberg. And uh, this is this is a weird one. Long live the <laughs> new a, flesh. Long live the new flesh. <laughs> this is a very Jesse pick, I believe. I don't know if that's fair to say. Oh, it is. Um, it is. I, yeah, we were discussing before before we started recording. Uh, actually, it might make it in. I don't know. That uh, I forgot my point. I literally forgot my point oh, in the span of half a sentence. Uh, wonderful. Oh, well, I rolled out of bed. Got some tea, and then started talking to you guys. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> what the hell was I saying? That's amazing. That might be a new record for me. The dementia setting in, folks. Yeah, that's happened as I've gotten older, for sure. Like I, I, I literally have no idea what I was gonna say. I don't even remember the context of it now. Was Something it, about well, video drum. Was it the sound Death of the gardeners the in the background that was distracting you? No, I don't hear any gardeners. Good. Because are, they I hear pruning, them. are they pruning your bush? No. <laughs> uh, no, they're doing the neighbors, of course, right now during recording. So I apologize. Yeah. I heard a yip there or something. Yeah. Was that a doggy yip? Yeah, that was the dog wanting to come back in. Those woofy dogs. Uh, Yeah, where was I? I was somewhere. Yeah, somewhere you had forgotten a point. In a strange land. Well, Videodrome, though. Videodrome. <laughs> David Cronenberg this podcast. directed it. 1983. Oh, I, I remember what I was gonna say. Um, I've only ever I've only had two picks so far, which were Mank because it was like a contemporary interesting thing, and my other weirdo pick, which was um, the Holy Mountain, which was fun to inflict, and I didn't know I didn't know what you what your guys' reaction to that would be, and I'm so glad you enjoyed it to the extent that you did. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, Videodrome is not the Holy Mountain. No. It is, however, very weird. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if if you're aware of Cronenberg's early filmography or reputation even, maybe you've seen the Rick and Morty episode. Some people know it from that. Uh, he has a lot of interesting, off-putting, like, body horror elements to his movies and a lot of uh, early or like early crazy practical effects there are definitely some scenes in this movie that directly influenced later like super splatter type stuff like oh, peter definitely. jackson dead alive there's a uh, lot of influence from this my movie my favorite um so yeah videodrome it's about a guy who runs a he runs a what what would you call it i, I guess like an adult entertainment tv station Something like that? Kind of. I'd say it was. it's more... It takes place in the time where television was a little bit more of like an open frontier. And just like radio, you have bands. And, you know, there were stations that were unregulated by any kind of network or anything. They were just kind of free stations. They weren't even public because public requires public funding. 
So there really were just pirate radio, uh, pirate television stations, essentially. And you could pick them up on different bands. And you could also, they'd broadcast to like, you know, like they are, Channel 83. And this is during the time where there was only like 13, 14 channels. So Channel 83 would be like way in the backlogs. It would come in fuzzy. It would be like kind of grainy and full of fucking snow. And so that's the type of like television station he runs and it shows right. like primarily adult entertainment yeah and it shows violence. like softcore porn and yeah. violence and stuff he's basically a sleazeball james mm-hmm. woods that is and um he and his buddy his like hacker buddy pirate buddy find a program they they ostensibly like just catch it at random and it's this thing called videodrome which is essentially torture porn it's like real life torture porn and um his life gets weird from there it Indeed. gets weirder and weirder and then it gets psychedelic and it gets really gory <laughs> and uh i think that's i think i'll let that lie as my um my little intro for the the concept of videodrome we'll get into the more like overarching and heady themes of it cuz they are there but I want to just get some introductory thoughts from you guys. Alex, what'd you think of Videodrome? Had you seen it before? Um, no, I had not. I, I wouldn't count as me seeing it before. I remember pretty sure that I like it was on TV as a, as a kid, like when my parents were watching or something, and I might have like seen it out of the corner of my eye or watched it for a few minutes. But I remember vividly the like shots of James Woods in it. Um, but for all intents and purposes, no. I, I had not seen it before. You don't remember him like having an, a videotape that's made of flesh inserted yeah. into his stomach? <laughs> it was stuff like the the stomach thing, definitely. It was like, I feel like I had seen this somewhere before. But I would say it's it's actually decently entertaining. <laughs> it's not a movie that like... The <laughs> ringing a recommendation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not actually a movie that, like, decently entertaining. Oh, yeah, like I don't trail I off. Stuff to say too, but don't worry. <laughs> I never trailed off at any point watching the movie. Um, I was pretty focused in on it the whole time. It is sub ninety, I believe. Yeah, it's like an hour and twenty six minutes. So like, yeah, it's very lean. It wasn't super. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't super fluffy, and there wasn't anything extraneous in it. Like, it, it was actually pretty. I wouldn't like you guys said. I wouldn't tight. say that, but. <laughs> movie is definition of extraneous but. <laughs> um but each scene in the narrative like it, it held itself together i want to say my favorite things were definitely the practical effects we're big on that stuff mm-hmm. yeah the practical yeah. effects are fantastic it's the best part yeah and then i like the cinematography especially the camera work and camera positions in a lot of the shots what? it makes for very visually pleasing um shots that i think were really cleverly done the last thing i'll say about it is that it feels kind of like a b movie that just wasn't a b movie that has the like budget of you know pretty standard hollywood yes i have a note here i i was like thinking about a a simple way to describe it and i came up with lofty schlock you think that works yeah, exactly. It's 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 like it is yeah, schlock in a lot of works. ways, but it's but it's trafficking in a lot of really cool ideas. Um it's a very it's a very prescient film 
apropos the concepts of like desensitization and the the internalization of imagery in a new era of screens because this is 1983 you just reading off my notes bro oh <laughs> no i wasn't <laughs> but jeff oh alex did you did you enjoy the movie i i wasn't sure like where you landed there i did actually i, okay. I did enjoy the movie jeff <laughs> oh boy okay this film so i was really <laughs> ready to like really tear up this movie during the mm. first half pretty much every until he puts the gun the true first body horror element of the movie whereas when he like you know he's itching himself with the gun and then it's like you get the first kind of shot of this open i guess video slot uh, in his stomach and that's when the movie from there on really took me and and kept me going and i was really entertained and i loved the body horror and the weird twisted thriller elements and there was a lot of themes that uh i really agree with your assessment that this movie had some really amazing ideas but suffered from just god-awful acting and weird pacing issues hmm. and so that's where like i would like be really into like this kind of trippy psychedelic body horror and then you would have james wood coming in and be like oh, so uh i'm crazy and it's just not it just it didn't resonate you didn't like james Wood's no in this role? I, I liked the way he looked he was very handsome <laughs> but otherwise wow. i did not think he was entertaining i thought he was great this role really handsome Really? I mean, there's a reason why James Woods went on to have a career after this film, and basically no one else did. Deborah Harry was, you know, she's blondie. She doesn't need to be an actress or anything. So I thought James Woods was the best actor in the whole movie. I mean, which isn't sure. Saying a lot. Sure. <laughs> but... I mean, that's, that's definitely true. But I mean, it's just, I just don't think any of the acting was believable or convincing. Uh, it had really weird pacing issues and strange tonality with like what's I, the what pacing issues? So I just didn't feel like the the pacing they they would switch between the normal and the surreal in a way that didn't make any sense. Like he would reach in and he would have like the gun kind of morphed to his hand and then it wouldn't be. And it would just and it didn't feel like they were trying to play with a theme of like, oh well he's kind of like which which is reality, which isn't reality, which I know is a theme. It just seemed like oversight on the director's part to be like, no, let's continue this idea that like this is... I think it's more like in the close-ups, it's supposed to be sort of his world where the gun is sort of like biotechnology fused to his hand. By the way, I feel like I should have explained this better. I think in the future, I'm going to write up like a, a, a an actual plot synopsis because anyone listening to this who hasn't seen the movie is going to be so horribly confused about what the <laughs> fuck we're talking about if you listen to our podcast without watching the movie i mean you're our champion you're a fucking legend yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah, that's true anyway uh what i was saying is so i think like when it does the wider shots see i'm remembering what i'm talking about now now that i've had some caffeine um when it has the wider shots when he's not in the gun it's like it's more it's more like the real world, you know? So it's, uh, and it's, uh, the movie is about the lack of delineation between reality and sort of like television fantasy kind of thing. And how, 
how television or like things that you watch infect you. You know, you become mm-hmm. the things that you watch, which is why mm-hmm. he becomes completely l- like an agent of the Videodrome um, sort of thing. It's 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 obtuse. It's it's obtuse. It becomes obtuse what's happening later. But like I said, the the main theme is the concept of desensitization. But I, I, I take your point that those two elements of him with the gun specifically, I see I see how you could have thought that. It's there's more elements. It's just hard for me because I, I tend to write down things that I like opposed to things I don't like. I just kind of notice them. But I don't just I just felt like it would transfer from a serious scene to kind of like humor, back to body horror, back to humor. It didn't really have like a, a, a flow that kind of fit the way I was wanting to watch the movie, I guess is the way to put it. Is like I kind of expected the story and the narrative and the horror to go a certain way and it kept diverting and it was uh, annoying at times because I was like, all right, let's keep, let's just keep this going. Why do we keep going back to like this kind of boring, bad acting dialogue? <laughs> Oh, poor video drum. So it was just kind of like hard for me. I was like, I want more of like this high sci-fi weird horror. Like, let me get more of that. And it's just like they were like, no, we're gonna we're gonna piecemeal that out to you because we know it's the best shit we have. Here, <laughs> listen to this boring guy talk for five minutes. You are our resident cerebral sci-fi expert, so I am taking your opinion. Highly I just here. don't think the dialogue was delivered in any way that was engaging, so it made me not care about the story. The dialogue was pretty. Yeah, I don't even know how to say it. It was like it's uh, on the very nose, unnatural. Maybe? Yeah, on the nose is a good one. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It almost seemed like it was written by someone who had been locked into a room for like fifteen years and had never spoken to an actual person in their life. You guys, I don't understand what the fuck you guys are talking about. James I really Wood, don't. James Woods just like he just does the. He has no like consistency of tone when he's acting he's just like okay i'm gonna be really serious and frantic and then i'm gonna make a joke and then i'm gonna be like the suave (laughs) guy for like five seconds but then i'm gonna go back to making a joke but now i'm gonna be like oh my god now look my stomach's open like he has no there's no consistency of his character it's like let's just what is this guy is he is he the hero are we supposed to like him is he this kind of sleazeball ass grabbing womanizer like what are what are we trying to who who are we siding with here? Is there no hero? And it's just like presenting these ideas because it has great ideas. That's my favorite part about the movie is there's, there's great visual comparisons between the TV, this, this this era of television and the era of the internet and how these two things, like these ideas of the movie are kind of like, almost like you said, like this prescience, but it's just not, delivered well and i'm surprised that you think it is jesse that's that's really surprising to me because i thought the first thing you would say was that james woods was like a mess no well i think i think the the way that the film descends is super interesting to me i i definitely agree that like I, i i personally fucking love this movie um but i think the reasons i like it are the ideas and the effects and the the sort of way that those two things interplay, you which, know what I mean? Which it's more are the two best themes of the movie for sure. Yeah, it's it's more conceptual. Like I, I could definitely see, it's not the tightest narrative. It does flit back and forth, and it gets crazier as it goes along. It's a good reflection of the theme, though. 
the talking about the descent of the movie it really tacks on to that conceptual idea of james woods being infected by you know the videodrome and like going through the process of his life being taken over and it's funny because while we were while i was watching this i thought back to our fincher conversation about the movie the game which i know jesse or jeff you haven't seen Mm -hmm. but a lot of the game like a lot of the elements in videodrome reminded me of the game it's like the tv talks to you you have this weird overarching like organization that is controlling your life when you don't know that they are like you know um there's a lot of familiarity with that but yeah going back to what jesse was saying the descent of the movie is actually really interesting when you compare it to the thematic element of like what is happening to james woods's mind 100 percent. like i think this movie is very entertaining the whole time i was watching it i mean the first half i was a little bit bored but i still thought like okay these themes are a little creepy I'm liking this, like, I like, like, I love the sex scene, that first sex scene. I tend to be a big hater of sex scenes in movies because they just feel so fake and Jeff asexual, and so I'm not eroticism <laughs> makes him angry. No, it doesn't. Just television <laughs> eroticism makes me angry because it's just like doesn't capture like the the disgusting, sweaty grossness that is sexual intercourse. Oh yeah, we should we should say this is not a comfortable movie. Oh no, this movie. <clears throat> mom, is mom, very if you're listening, don't watch it. Yeah. You're not gonna <laughs> like it, mom. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got porno and stuff. It's got uh, it's torture. It's got a yeah. man reaching into his own stomach. It's, it's got a lot of weird, weird, gory stuff. And uh, brilliant. It's, it's sleazy. That. It feels very dirty and sleazy from the outset. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just, it's a, I enjoyed it. It's a good movie. Um, I felt like it just suffered from bad acting. And I feel like I'm coming off as a little too scrutinous of the movie's acting because it is, like you're saying, a lofty kind of B movie. And we don't. I don't look at Frankenhooker and, and expect good acting. I expect to laugh, but I don't hmm. look at this Videodrome in any way the same way as I would look another B movie like Frankenhooker, and, and that's where it's differential for me because you have Cronenberg, you have James Woods. Well, that's what Cronenberg did. <laughs> like for a yes, long time, he did yes, The Fly. Right. Like, well, see, The Fly doesn't feel like a B movie to me either. Like, I, I, just, well, I, I actually don't remember it. I'm just quoting another movie it was one of my favorite movies when i was a kid and i just i i always i watched all the time and i love the fly and it just i always felt just like a movie to me the fly feels like more of a well put together movie i mean it also suffers from a lot of like dialogue issues and acting issues as well but i don't know like movies good the themes are awesome like if my notes are just filled with all of these cool themes and comparisons and funny little like details the movie's very detail oriented like little details change uh, as the reality and the hallucinations start to mix and mm, what details like there's little like things where i mean i guess maybe i'm seeing this as uh maybe i'm interpreting this wrong but when he's going into the room when he's looking for the um for the tape in his room and, he, and there's a picture of hitler in a ballerina outfit next to him no, <laughs> I've never seen that. And I was like, and I'm like, huh. Now that could just be like because he's like an edgy, um, 
television show like producer and so it's like oh okay i'm gonna have this like kind of weird funny shit that i can like because i'm kind of edgy and shock value but it was just kind of weird and then i kept looking around the room and like reversing the the video and there was just other like strange pictures there was like pictures of like two people just like looking at each other and it was like it was weird it was like this the set started to kind of change and and shift and then like I noticed a lot of television sets, not all of them, but a lot of them, even in the scenes where he's not hallucinating actively, have little like veins drawn in them. And it was just like, it was like, like the TVs themselves are becoming like more and more alive. And then there was one other detail that I wrote down, which was, and this is probably me just like fishing for details because I was really into it at this point. But so like a cathode in a, you know, a TV is like a light basically. And, um, it emits a certain kind of white light and the lighting of the movie started to change as if it was like almost like poltergeist when like the lighting of the TV is around the girl's face. It's almost was like lit by cathode light a lot of the time. And it was really like soft and white as the hallucination world started interjecting more with the real world, the lighting became more dull and white as if you were like in a dimly lit room with the television playing. I don't know. That was just like fun little details that I really loved in the set and everything. Yeah. The movie looks great. The lighting, especially when it, when it becomes and anything, when the movie gets weird, it wins. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anytime it's getting Mm -hmm. weird, you're like, you're like, I'm in like Cronenberg, Cronenberg like invented this shit almost, you know? Oh, it's so much it's his so good, style. Though. It's a hundred percent like when other movies have tried and, and done body horror, and some have done it pretty well. Um, but there's something significant about his style. Maybe it's the old school practical effects look of it, but it's there's something so significant about the way things become, the way the inanimate becomes flesh in his movies. Is so which other what other movies do it like that he did that does the inanimate become flesh? Um, I'm not calling you out here. I just want to know. I don't. I don't really know. But I. I think. I don't really know. You have shivers, rabid, the brood, scanners. Scan. I, maybe scanners. I can't remember. I didn't. I tell you, watch these. The only one that I know, like, like totally in my brain. Is a uh, Videodrome. <laughs> I know the fly really well. Dead yeah, zone, no, the fly is, has scanners. a lot of the trademarks. Not inanimate into organic, but like the set, as far as the set design goes and the details and like the set and the character costumes and whatnot, it's all brilliant. Um, in the fly and in, and in this film. I actually like this movie better than the fly. Yeah, I, dis- uh, I disagree, but that's nostalgia probably <laughs> just playing a lot of big part of it. I think this movie is almost as good as Naked Lunch, which I, I equally could have done and will do at some point, 100%. I also love that movie. Well, I have one thing about the camera work, at least. Two scenes in particular that I thought, like, three scenes, excuse me, that I thought were, like, just so well done and what really sold me on this movie Um so the first scene where he's noticing that scar in his belly and he's he's watching television and it's like everything start to like breathe, you know? 
Um, there's a scene where they place the camera right on top of the television. And like Jeff was saying, he, he approaches the television and that blue cathode light starts to like overtake him. And you have this close-up of his face watching the TV start to breathe and get veins and things like that. And I just thought they could have placed the camera anywhere in the room for that. And <clears throat> they they put it in a spot that was like, I just think it was the most perfect spot to put it. It, it played into the lighting. It played into the set design because, you know, you have the foreground of like the TV breathing and then you have James Wood's face bathed in the cathode ray did you are you talking light. about the scene when like um the tv's like coming to life and like the and nikki is on it and like her lips are on it and he's like making out with the oh TV. Yes. he, he yes. like enters his head into the yeah the breathing television orifice yes. of her lips and you're like wow i mean yeah that that was probably one of the best scenes in the movie and i definitely agree with you alex because i think the camera positioning on that was to be um pov almost like, I think mm-hmm. you're supposed to be kind of looking down from her perspective and, and James Wood is like entering you through like, you know, through your legs <laughs> and everything. Like that's kind of the way I saw it. Uh, James because they Woods. just zoom in on her lips and it's like lips. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, like there's like, it's just, there's a lot of like fun themes and fun visual effects. And that's when the movie really shines. I like the reading of that shot as like you're sort of a, having the point of view of the television yeah uh because the whole movie is about like like television is reality exactly. kind of thing like you have this this radical organization that that wants to i don't know infect people with a signal based on like their uh it gets weird <laughs> it gets weird basically but it traffics in the concept that what you see infects you Right, yeah, and it's it's an interesting because the movie functions similar to its critique, I would say, like apropos desens- desensitization, because uh, like this is probably one of the movies that desensitized me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's done what it's sort of critiquing, and you can you can just feel you can feel Cronenberg's disgust with the world through this picture Mm -hmm. and i love that like this is like the dawn of vhs i believe there's like still doing they're still doing betamax and stuff um 83 i might need to check that but anyway yeah because like home video yeah there's different tapes yeah home video is is becoming a big thing and this is cronenberg looking into the future and seeing the addiction level that people have to screens yeah and it's like i'm watching this this movie came out before I was born. I'm 33 years old. It's an older movie, folks. <laughs> and he knew what the score was. He knew what was going to happen. He saw the writing on the wall, and he's like, people are, are going to get like really addicted to the shit, and it's going to warp their brains. Yeah. You have you have the, the concept of the... What is his name? Uh, Brian Oblivion. And yeah. He's yes. talking about how everyone will have... He's on the panel show. And he's talking about how everyone will have their like video names, mm-hmm. their television names in the the television realm. Yep. It's like the the future the future TV scientist guy, and it's like, oh, Cronenberg just like he just accurately like, predicted the internet. Yeah. He well, he predicted like handles, like apps, yeah, like you know, all the yeah, exactly. handles and stuff like that. And like, no, I mean, there's so many. I mean, we're we're gonna sound like a bunch of crotchety old like anti-internet 
social media people on no, this. But, I'm on the internet all day. <laughs> but I, exactly, we're not. But this movie deals, yeah, with like simulacrum a lot, like that concept oh, of simulacrum. Baudrillard. Yeah. Yep. And um, existentialism, you know, the idea of having a persona that only exists in the digital space. And that is the persona that you present, and the real you is is irrelevant and might as well not exist. And then you have like the cathode mission is like almost a precursor to the internet. Like I kind of viewed what what Cronenberg was thinking. He almost not just a precursor to the internet, but to four chan specifically. <laughs> no, <laughs> Jeff and his four chan. Because I'm bringing up four chan almost as much as he likes bringing up video games. I have a video game <laughs> reference in this movie too. Oh, but um, but yeah, it's just this movie is very like it was just reminiscent because four chan is really that place that you go to find like the violent videos or the gore videos or the I have rape. never gone on four chan. So four chan, yeah, say. it's you know it's just a forum site, but like on the forum sites, yeah, they like you can that's where you like. That's where you go to get that shit. Now, obviously, people listening who may be like more sleuths of the internet know to go in more dark and I don't fuck with the dark and you seedy perverts. alleys. You perverted um, listeners of ours. I don't. I don't. I don't fuck around with the seedy alleys of the internet at all. So, four chan is about as seedy as it gets for me. Um, and yeah, you can. That's where you find that, and that's where the idea of the cathode mission really like resonated with me. It's like this. This hub, this small place where people go to almost like change, evolve the way they think, at least they think they are, into something like better. Like, oh, I'm experiencing all these media, all these different opinions. But it, what it ends up being is like this warp, this evolution of the human mind to where when you go on that website, you read some of the most horrific shit that has ever been written like about other human beings like just posts like the most racist horrible horrible garbage that you can ever see like just nazi dedicated boards and it's like this is kind of the the evolution the change in the mind the brain tumor if you will it's the subterranean network yeah the subterranean uh, network oh let's i can't wait to talk about that actress <laughs> I loved that whole aspect of the movie, honestly. Like the idea that it's past just pirate TV almost. It's like, I don't even know if it predicts, does it predict home video more or just the consumption of television? Like, do you guys see it as commenting more on film or on TV as industries? I yeah, I don't think it's a critique on like, like movies specifically yeah Yeah. i think it's it's a television b like what's gonna happen when you have the ability to watch anything you want including like insane hardcore violence and that's where the desensitization comes in yeah Yeah. because like like they figure out uh, or james woods figures out or is told that Videodrome, the thing that's like he's been chasing this 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 snuff film thing coming out of Atlanta is real, and he's just like I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. but he knows. Exactly. Like deep down, he knows. He's just he's just getting off on it. Well, yeah. Well, he to believe it, to acknowledge it's real, would make him feel sick, essentially, because you would he would be acknowledging that he's interested in almost aroused in some way by real violence and to him that's just like at that point in the movie he's not ready to accept that level of 
desensitization desensitization oh my fucking god i hate that word <laughs> oh it's staying in uh, the convex you. guy mr <laughs> convex the guy who works at the glasses place um he explains that to him at one point he's like yeah you think it's bad and it's immoral but you kept watching it i actually thought that guy was a good actor too though yeah he did I didn't think he, he did, did well yeah he did yeah. well in his role for sure the uh the whole uh, like a lot of the a lot of the visual effects aren't just like crazy effects like there's just there's something to be said for how he literally opens up his flesh as a receptacle for tapes yep you know mm-hmm. and so it's it is it is like you're f- when you're focused on real violence and getting off on that there's something to that as well apropos james woods but it's also the the element of watching it and the breaking down of the boundary between what is real and what's not once you like are 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 into something that you're watching i, I don't know it gets very it gets very <laughs> strange help me out here alex well, I, talk I, I, <laughs> oh i could help you i mean if you notice the movie the the video cassettes themselves become more flesh-like and living as mm, they the breathe. movie progresses they breathe and then the last one that he tries to insert um uh, harlan the um the hacker guy he tries to insert that last tape, and it, it literally is like an organ. And so, it has, it, I think what you're trying to say is that these, this media becomes part of you. Yeah, it doesn't leave. It's yeah. I can think of almost every horrendously violent video I've ever seen, like a beheading video or any of those. I can pretty much play those scene for scene in my head at this moment. Yeah, that should affect you if because you, it if has you... imprinted on me in such a way that I can't get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. Like I would imagine if you, if you said, I've not done this listener, but if you sat around and just like watched hardcore porn for 24 hours, your brain wouldn't be the same afterwards. You'd feel like fucking mush. Yeah. Only people who have sat around for 24 hours watching hardcore porn would have to preface it by saying they didn't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 24 hours though. That's a yeah. long time. I, I mean, mean, it's that, not just like, <laughs> vanilla porn right it's it, it's like raunchiness and well it like would descend like that's i think that's the point is that you would start with like all right i'm gonna watch some like basic stuff and then <clears throat> by the end you would be like on 4chan like digging around like where's the fucking pooping in my mouth porn <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. God. exactly the best the best stuff well that's what we end up doing as humans with anything we're interested in right not so much pooping in mouths uh, but like going deeper and deeper into things that interest us because once you start with something, the tendency is to always go deeper if you like it, right? You get into fancier foods, like you get into like craft beers, all of a sudden your your Budweiser is not gonna satisfy. Yeah. It's the story of a story of human interest. Human in consumption. Is going yeah, human consumption indeed. If you if you liken experience to consumption, which it kind of is, like well, you you are what you eat, mm-hmm. but you also are what you do. You are what you synthesize mentally and as watch. well as physically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You are what you watch. Oh, for sure. So we're out. We are video drum now. We are the new yes. flesh. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> no. I mean, all the podcasts. I mean, you know, to get meta with it, but all the podcasts that I listen to have definitely like in the last you know five years shaped the type of personality that i have and the type of things i'm interested in and that'll change because something will fall off it's like we're so susceptible like nobody's really above 
the the warp that there this are does. there are not other podcasts uh, real weirdos <laughs> disavow the existence of all other podcasts <laughs> we are the first this is, and this only. is the one to listen to <laughs> we're the first and only podcast <laughs> um yeah no and it's definitely there are those themes though like of like this influence of media in that in the way that we've been presenting it but there are subtle ones too and i really think that those deserve to be kind of uh, light be shined on them if to not stutter through my words completely um uh, like when they go into professor oblivion's office it he says oh i love the view and then at the end he walks out and he says love the view but he says it a little more sarcastically like the first one was supposed to be funny and then it was like he was making a point and it was the idea of this was it was a closed office with no windows and it was completely surrounded by media it was no that- there's a window down onto the the little video like tv no. menagerie yes but that's what i'm saying he says i love the view when he looked over into the tv menagerie but he also would but then he said it again at the end as like a sarcastic quip and it hit different and you have to remember that he's like you know he works in like a building you know that, that has a view like he works in a, a big office building and this a cramped tiny not tiny it's quite a large office it was a cramped office and i just found like that it was interesting because it was surrounded by media he had it was this overwhelming amount of books and art and sculptures and carvings and all of this stuff it was this kind of bubble of a particular type of media now it was older media but that he had surrounded himself with but then the view was like newer media and it being surrounded it was just two different versions i don't know at least that was my read i liked that scene when he goes to visit olivia oblivion was that her name olivia, the daughter no of... it's something it's like yeah i don't remember but you know <laughs> bianca, the daughter. bianca bianca it's bianca oblivion. oblivion yeah i like the the scene where they go into that back room and there are all the videotapes cassettes on the shelves mm-hmm. the camera work in that scene is actually really fucking good um they're like spinning around and rotating around James Woods and her. And the videos in the background are very static, but like them moving in front of them, it like, it goes into this whole idea of like the organic and the immaterial, like they're so well placed and structured behind them. And you have these two moving human bodies in between them. When she told him, you know, like, Oh, he actually died on the operating table 11 months ago from his tumor. Um, I I just thought like that's another one of the scenes with the camera work. Like the camera work was so good in this movie. Even if you don't think it's a like a great film overall, I feel like whoever was directing the camera work or like making it possible, there's no better way that they could have visually shown the themes in this, this movie. Is probably the director. Yeah. And also, <laughs> this is a douchey comment. <laughs> watch, watch him edit. Watch that though. That's not staying in. Yeah. <laughs> also, the oh no, uh, that's staying in. The video menagerie thing that you guys are talking about. You're talking about like little cubicles, right? That like each person. Yeah, the little like cardboard yeah, cubicles. The cathode mission. Did that? Did cathode that remind mission. you guys of the old Cybe cafes from? when we were kids oh yeah it reminded me of going in and playing like counter-strike or some shit yeah mm-hmm. i called it the cathode cafe in my notes yeah. and then when okay. i saw the sign again i was like oh it's a mission okay that makes yeah. more sense because of the religious <laughs> aspect but yeah but i originally called it like an internet cafe that's what it yeah, was it's man. where you and your buddies go to pwn pwn each other and 
2001. Exactly. exactly. To play some Day of Defeat. Yeah. <laughs> some Quake tournament. Quake, yeah. Yeah, so I've been thinking this whole time as as you, we've been talking like the more the more I think about it, the more I actually agree with Jeff's assessment of it. But I think like I think I got defensive at first because you front loaded all your negativity. I think <laughs> if we like gotten me. we gotten to the negativity later, I would have been like, yeah, but those are subservient to the things that actually work, which are the themes and the visuals, mm-hmm. you know, and the, how those things work together. That's the best part but of the I, movie. I, yeah. I definitely can see that it's structurally strange and the acting. I, I mean, I think James Woods is good. Yeah, but me too. it's it's general. It's not like it's not memorable acting. You're, you're not watching Philip Seymour Hoffman here. <laughs> it is it is very much like I said in the beginning. It's like elevated schlock. Like yeah. this is a B movie that climbs out of its B moviness. Yeah, because David Cronenberg has things to say, and he's he says them in really interesting ways. You yes. know, it's not it's not just like a guy watches porn and then like some body horror happens. Yeah. There's a, there's a point to all of it that there isn't in like even like, you know, dead alive, which I will always, I keep referencing, but it's amazing. But Mm -hmm. that, that's schlock, but it's amazing. You know, it's not too ham fisted either video drum. It doesn't like feed you the themes or like beat you over the head with them. Quite the opposite Um, really. Yeah. Like it, it's hard to explain because I don't know if I had anything really negative to say about the film. I just like some people might say that it being a B movie that climbs out of that schlockiness, like maybe they'll take that as like a demerit towards the film, but I think it isn't. And I also think that being sub 90, it does like a lot in a clean way. If yeah, that it's makes a lot sense. done. It says a lot in 90 minutes for sure. So, I mean, maybe if it was longer, the the pacing and things would have been remedied. No, I, I'm I think not that sure. This movie belongs in the 90 minute category. It's just it it's the type of movie it is. I just think that it just needed a little Cronenberg. And now that you're saying this, Jesse, it merely makes me think more about what I my initial input is. It I really think Cronenberg he he's a visual storyteller for sure, and film we know is a visual medium, but he. He tells a story in even a more visual way. He really seizes all of the tools that film provides to tell a tactile story. A story that you can feel with your fingers. And I really like that about Cronenberg. And I think that's what he did well in this movie. And that's why the story suffers a little bit. And the acting suffers. is Because he needs to tell the story visually. So we need to like set up the scene and... and have it executed well and, and and build the tension and all that but yeah i really i think that he's more trying to tell us a tactile story using all tools and i think he does that really well in this movie well you can definitely feel some of that skin ripping You're like, oh, man. oh yeah there's a lot of times when like, he shoots convex at the medimidici like extravaganza or whatever like some weird oh my god the eyeglass gala and stage show yeah <laughs> fucking was random shit like i was like is this whole thing a hallucination when he shoots him though and like you have like his brains like 
oozing out of his head and like his eye and skull cracking but his tongue is still like moving organically i was like this is some of the best like body horror stuff i've ever seen like yeah it's cronenberg it's uh it's a the gore effects are incredible oh they're amazing super fun and when it (laughs) happens like because that was like really the biggest moment of like kind of cronenberg-y gore in the movie, there was, you know, the hand on the hacker guy that turns into, I think, a stick grenade. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't I'm not sure weird. what that was. I think I was it was a stick grenade. I'm pretty sure it was like a German um, yeah. stick grenade. But Those were used by, like, the Axis powers. That's the yeah, way they yeah. designed their grenades. And, like, we had just, like, ones that looked like little baseballs. Well, yeah, because you could throw the stick grenades farther, but they were less, um, they were less powerful. Because you know you were using a lot of the anyway. Um, History so, time with <laughs> Jefferson. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I think that's what it was supposed to be, and but it was confusing. But yeah, that kind of stuff like that was the big scene, and I love how it happened instantly. Like they weren't, there was no preamble into it. He shoots him in the head. He falls on the ground, and the next take is the dummy on the ground writhing and the fucking <laughs> blood and the gut. It was like, they didn't even waste any time. Cronenberg was like, I know what the people want. And they just like put it out there. And it was so awesome. It was like, yeah, I was, I remember, I just remember looking at it. I was just like, yes, dude. Yes. That's what I want. Well, the weird yeah, shit. This was, yeah. this was still in the era where he was like, Cronenberg wasn't super known. He was doing low budget horror movies, which this kind of is, you know, he was getting some, he got some uh, notice after like the brood and scanners. People are like, oh, this is kind of a guy to watch. So like later that decade, he did The Fly, a few other things, Naked Lunch, like I said. And then his, his career gets interesting later because he just gives up on that stuff. He's like, no, I want to make... I want to make weird character dramas starring Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I've seen all of those movies that he, he paired up with Viggo in. Yeah. Uh, which ones are those? Eastern Promises, A History of Violence, and um, there's another one in there that I'm A missing. Dangerous Method. Yeah, that's Where he it. plays he plays either Freud or Carl Jung. I can't quite and remember. And there's no, is there like body horror in these movies or no? No. This is just no. totally devoid of his like normal style. Eastern Promises has a pretty like you were saying tactile, Jeff. I think that's a good word. There's a few shots and few scenes in Eastern Promises where he's like fighting naked in a uh, oh like in a, the bathhouse. Yeah, and yeah. he it, you can like smell the scene. You can like feel their skin scraping against like the tile and everything. It's just a pretty all out like. I don't know. It's it's very realistic, I guess. It's not one of those like choreographed fight scenes. It's like how you would imagine a fight like a fight would go down in real life inside of a shower house. But yeah, if you want to see Vigo Mortensen like fight Russians while naked in a bathhouse, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. That's great. It's a great movie. I'm in. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, um, and yeah, Videodrome. It uh, there's a there was it's what? a movie. What's Videodrome? What's Videodrome? What have we been talking about? <laughs> Death to video. Uh, is there anything else? There was a few other little things. Oh, my video game reference. I might as well throw that out now. Um, have either of you ever dabbled in the Max Payne series? Mm-hmm. Well, spe- specifically the first two. Max Payne 3. Okay. I was going to say the first one, I think, is the only one I've yes. played. Uh, but the first two definitely borrow not the body horror or any of that, but the horror aesthetic from Cronenberg 100%. 
that's and I I wish I could go into a detail without taking too much time on such a small reference, but if you've seen Videodrome and also played Mass Effect One and Two, I really think that that scene where he's where Nikki is in the TV and and he's really getting into it. And she's speaking very softly and saying his name, and, he, and his name is Max. And that's in Mass Effect. No, no, no. This is Max Payne. I know you said Mass Effect. Oh, did I? I was probably yeah. I'm playing Mass Effect. <laughs> um, probably, I'm playing Mass Effect Legendary right now. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. Max Payne. It's like his name is Max in the movie as well. So the way she like whispers Max is a lot like Mona Sachs and in the Max Payne games and the kind of like weird psychedelic sci-fi is very much the reminiscent in those games as well. Okay. I have no idea if you're making a gigantic stretch or not. <laughs> I, really, I don't know. Really? Oh, maybe, well. maybe not. I, 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 mean, I yeah, just yeah. have no idea. It's, it, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just what jumped out to me. I don't always have reasonings. I just say what I feel. I mean, that's, that's great. That makes I'm just sense. saying I, I don't remember Max Payne. So, yeah, I, mean, I couldn't. I couldn't say this is one way or the other. This is a very niche reference. In this. It really is. This is, this is not a. Uh, this, this isn't apparent. This is just Welcome something that to popped our movie out podcast. To me that <laughs> po- this is something that popped out to me as someone who's played a lot of video games, way too many. Welcome to the real weirdos. We're here to review Max Payne One, <laughs> sponsored by GameStop, starring Mark Wahlberg. Oh boy, video drama. Didn't yeah, they? Didn't a, they make a movie with Marky Mark? Yeah, it wasn't yeah, bad. They did. Yeah, and Mila Kunis in it. Yeah, it wasn't horrible. I mean, it wasn't good. It's was pretty. Short, I didn't see it. It was like one of those TNT movies that you'll put on in the background while you're like shooting heroin. Right. <laughs> of course. Oh, it's one of those. Okay. Well, I'll add it to my list for that. Yeah. Yeah. For that. Activity. For that. Then. I usually yeah. do that Thursday afternoon, so I could probably squeeze it in. What I put in the category of movies you OD to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'd rather OD to something interesting. Like OD to Naked Lunch. <laughs> or video drum. Oh, yeah. the hard rain. Oh, to hard rain. Oh God, the hard rain references. Or Lord Lawrence of fast. Arabia or something. Yeah, y'all, you listeners out there, you got to go watch Hard Rain, if no, only to understand why we reference it all the time. <laughs> oh man, it is a movie. It's bad. It's not good. Just wipe your ass with twenty grit sandpaper. And then it is know. the movie movie for sure. It's a it's a very movieish movie. Yeah, um, video drum. Uh, uh, <laughs> sort of landed landed <laughs> different. We just never fucking. We'll just never be able to end a podcast properly. <laughs> well, it's like I'm just not sure when we're done or not. It's hard to it's hard to encapsulate it all, especially this one. This one's a little difficult to encapsulate, um, especially because we all had very different like or, or varying reactions to it. Yeah, I think that's a good thing, and I also think that like a movie like this, you don't want to expand too much on, because I do feel like it does take away from like the per- per- individual's interpretation of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also not it's not so deep that we haven't touched on pretty much all of the themes. Yeah, I we mean, have. It's not, There's yeah, like it's not like a holy mountain. Yeah the the desensitization, internalization of imagery. Um, does he dip his leftover pizza crust in coffee in the beginning? By the way, does or was he? it milk? 
either one would be terrible. <laughs> I know. Like, you say <laughs> you said, or is it milk? As if that would have been the normal thing. Like, or well, was it just milk? No, like, I wasn't sure up. what he was. What either he was preparing. Would be horrible. I would rather dip just... my pizza cups in coffee. <laughs> than he drinks milk. his. Uh, he drinks his ranch out of a coffee mug. Yeah, dips his. Yeah, dips his leftover pizza crust. James Woods is yeah. like, I won't act in this movie unless I can get a, a mug of ranch and some old yeah, yeah. pizza crust. That's My last thing. That's his, <laughs> for acting. That's his version of Michael King's steak dinners. Seriously. Right. You know, he, he does have a spot in um, in Westwood in LA called La... I don't know. It's a pizza place. And they have, you know, the celebrities that have come to like visit and put up like their headshot and had them sign it. James Woods is on that wall 20 plus times. It's like his favorite pizza spot, apparently. <laughs> and like, you look at this wall of celebrities, you're like, oh, I know that guy. I know this guy. And then there's a separate section where it's just all the different times that James Woods has fucking come in to eat at this pizza place. It's just like a wall of James Woods photos. Yeah, exactly. This is James Wood with Jeffrey Epstein. This is James Woods with Donald Trump. This is James Woods with Paul Manafort. This is James Paul Manafort? Damn, we're just running the gamut on fucking the campaign team. Uh, but my last thing to say about Videodrome is, as someone who just loves like watching movies and like can disconnect maybe from the more critical analysis of it, like... It's really fun. It's really entertaining and it's short enough to not like drag on even with all of its pitfalls, which aren't many and they aren't too deep of pitfalls. But I would have loved to be part of the set design on this movie. Oh yeah. Like <sighs> everyone who's making this movie had so much fun. You could tell like everyone was having a great time. The the, to be in the prop department for this movie would be the fucking coolest thing. Yeah, <laughs> it translates, I think, to a good experience for the the moviegoer as well. There's just something so organic and real about all of it, um, even with the crazy like video cassette stomach and. Oh, can we talk about the helmet really quick that he puts on and that scene? Yeah, the effect. Absolutely. Holy shit, though! Like the he puts on his virtual boring of that like software program that they must have had to run to like show that special effect. Yeah. I, that was really cool. I was like, whoa, like for 1983, I thought that was extremely impressive. Yeah. They had some funky, like cool little sci-fi effects that I had never seen in other sci-fi early sci-fi movies like this. And it was cool. Yeah. They had the, the helmet, the recording of the, the um, hallucinations. I just thought that stuff was like really neat. And it was like kind of almost out of place because it was like the only kind of piece of tech like that. Yeah. Because otherwise the signal had a very paranormal aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Videodrome signal. It's like, what is this? Is this otherworldly? Is this like kind of Lovecraftian, like outside of space type of thing? But then they, they introduced this like very, like this very clunky piece of technology that's like oh okay so now we're getting a little science here so yeah it, was it does weird, look like uh, daft punk <laughs> yeah it was a little daft punk uh helmet i thought that was pretty funny <laughs> jesse since you do more thorough research than either one of us most of the time <laughs> especially jeff what was the budget for this movie what's your guess i want to say in between like seven or ten million yeah it's six million oh okay okay not bad which which it that's what it looks like you know yeah. 
and uh, because you don't you don't need um, the crazy computer effects because they didn't really exist yet. Yeah. Thank God, because yeah. these practical effects are amazing. They're not only amazing, to have the balls to zoom in like they did on that hand scene and hold that shot as oh, like, yeah. the tubes were coming through the prosthetic fingers and in and then the blood. Like So many fucking things had to go right for that scene to happen. Because yeah. pra- and like to just have the, the confidence in your practical effects to just hold a well-lit camera shot on it. I mean, that looked like, I mean, when you started, when you looked at the fingers, you could see that like it was like a cast and that there was still like no separation between the fingers and everything. Like you could see that it was a cast, but it was so just, I don't know, I just was blown away by the confidence that that effects artist had. It was just like, no, put that camera on it, light it, put that shit through, we're showing it. I'm a god. Yeah, right. I wonder how much, how many, like, how many tries they had to do, how many iterations. And that's an interesting thing is like, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly when I stopped looking at these things as, as real, you know, like my brain, when I see something like that automatically knows it's a prop and I'm like appreciating the prop and I'm like, yes, that's awesome or terrible as the case may be, you know, which is, and I think that was one of the most interesting things about the movie. And I touched on this earlier is the fact that like, this is one of the movies that desensitized me. Yeah. You know? And that's like exactly what it's saying. It's what it's like warning you about. And at the same time, it's doing it to you, which one, one could say is like hypocritical, but I think is, is not, I think it's very much on purpose. Yeah, I think it's part of the meta that he's talking about. Exactly. It's just, it's, that's a great way to say it. It's just meta. It's doing what it's saying and blibbity blurbity blur. <laughs> so elevated, so metaphorical. So metaphorical. <laughs> and my God. I did love the tagline, I guess, of the movement, right? Long this, live the new flesh. Yeah. Long live the new Death flesh. Death to video drum. Yeah. Long live the new flesh, everyone. Long live the new flesh. Yeah. Um, thanks for doing this show with me, guys. You know what? I was listening to a... I won't name the podcast. I don't remember what it was called anyway. I was just <laughs> searching for other podcasts about movies, see how people do it. And they were like, this week we're talking about the Zack Snyder's new movie, blah, 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 Army of the Dead. Let's get some numbers. Jeff, what's your number for this movie? <laughs> and they're like, they have this like snappy, douchey aesthetic where th- they're just <laughs> like, oh, let's start out. I'm Bob. I'm Jeff. I'm Blurblurb. And like, why am I doing the this? numbers? Doing the numbers, and then just like, uh, I don't know. I I was so glad that we are dry, boring assholes who speak slowly. Well, two of us do. Um, but you know, I don't know. I like our energy <laughs> and I'm glad I, this <laughs> is my belabored point, I guess. Well, let me go ahead and throw away all my ideas that I had for the show. Douchey aesthetic. Cross that one off. <laughs> <laughs> Just that like high energy, stupid nerd aesthetic. You know what I mean? It's like when you walk into an Applebee's, right? W- compared to when you walk into like a Chinese restaurant. It's like, hi, my name's Alex. What I'm going to be your today. What a ridiculous fucking comparison. 
where <laughs> then you're just there like many. in the Chinese one, you're just they're just like, what do you want? You should. Buy I get. This. I get what you're saying now. It's just yeah. It's definitely was a weird <laughs> you worded that a little strange that was a <laughs> wild comparison i get what you mean now that you've explained it but it's just at first i'm just like okay well alex just had a fucking stroke maybe he's hungry he's just hungry he's he doesn't hungry. have breakfast yet i always just think of the, the like whenever anyone comes like with the adjectives of like high energy or like almost campy hokiness i just think of the way that we train servers in this country like yeah i, I see what you're saying yes definitely it's, it's the idea of having to try to sell yourself as a product as yeah. opposed to just being like hey you came here to eat and not be bothered exactly uh, like, i get it yeah um no it's it's it should be the tagline for life i just came here to eat and not be bothered <laughs> pretty much like that's pretty much my life right now at least um no i definitely agree i, I definitely think that what you're talking about, Jesse, is this idea of having to appeal to a algorithm or having to appeal to the idea of this being a listening medium. And what these guys are doing, you know, more power to them. You know, this is their format. And if that's what they do, yep. that's what they do. Yep. I, I, if they're having fun, I love it. It's just like that format is indicative of like, oh, I'm in my car and I'm driving and like I want to listen to these guys be like high energy. Like you listen to us after you've like smoked a joint, had a cocktail and are like gonna fall asleep halfway during the podcast <laughs> or just like i don't know i've I've never been one who likes that that kind of like i don't know like they'll do i was just looking through the thing and i was like oh they do space jam 2 and do all these like new movies yeah. and it's just like like searching for views you know which we, we'll we'll do contemporary stuff when it looks interesting or if we want to troll each other that's a good <laughs> that's that'll definitely occur too it's definitely. almost happened twice already but yeah, we generally are slower, drier people, and <laughs> and uh, we just do what we want to. I see the value in being like I'm a little more high energy. I talk a qu- bit quicker, and I have a hard time like organizing myself because I'm thinking so quickly. But it's uh, it's definitely something that is unique for us. We just uh, you know there's value in every single form and format. It's just not our. Not our format. I'm not attracted to the high energy podcast myself. I'm not a big. I'm not attracted to numerical systems in general. Don't think they really add value to an opinion at all. They just kind of make it digestible. We talked about that. Yeah. Uh, on some episode, I'm like, do you, you want to do numbers? Alex is like, do you want to do numbers? I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no numbers. And then I gave Macbeth a nine. <laughs> yep, thanks. Appreciate that. You broke it just for me, bit baby. Daddy yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks All right. for listening. Uh, we'll guys, put you. We'll put you out of the misery of this conversation. Yeah, that's <laughs> 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 a good absurdity. one. Um, we'll do. Well, we'll be back with Paul Thomas Anderson. We've been teasing it for a while, but we wanted to give ourselves extra time just to synthesize this whole filmography. So that'll be next week. And thanks for listening. Later, later. Go see Videodrome. (laughs) Go see it at your local theater.